Welcome to the Urban Church Podcast. If you would like more information about Urban, please visit our website at lifeaturban.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Turn in your Bibles this morning, if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, we are going to uh, continue and conclude our series uh, entitled Living Life in the Red Zone this morning. And uh, we're going to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, read 24 to 27 uh, once again today. And then we're going to uh, flip over to Ecclesiastes 10, verse 19. 1 Corinthians 9, 24, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. It says this, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step, everything I do, every interaction I have with somebody. I'm adding my own words now. Uh, every, every conversation, every time we hang out with somebody, every, every, every cent I spend something on, I, it all has purpose, all right? Every step has purpose. I am not just shadow boxing or punching at the air. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Ecclesiastes 10, verse 19. It says this, bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is just absolutely amazing. God, I pray that in the next few moments we have together, that God, you would speak to us out of your word. God, you would challenge us. Uh, God, you would encourage us. And Lord, we would walk out of this place changed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. We started our our series, Living Life in the Red Zone, uh, about three, four weeks ago. And uh, we set up the message, and then then we uh, moved into talking about uh, how you can live life in the red zone relationally or in relationships. We talked about that on Valentine's Day. And then last week, we talked about living life in the red zone spiritually. And then today, we're going to talk about living life in the red zone financially. But before we get to there... um, I know that some people might need some clarification on what the red zone is, all right? So if you're not a football fan, you don't follow football that closely. Um, it is a football term, uh, the red zone. The red zone is talking about the 20-yard line into the touchdown or into the goal line or across the goal line, okay, the end zone, okay? That is the red zone, so 20 yards in, okay? This is the place where uh, in football uh, that the offense has the most opportunity to score a touchdown, Okay? This is the place that they kind of work to get to. All right? They make it all the way down the field. They get in the red zone. And, and literally, they have red zone offenses. All right? So once they get into the red zone, their whole entire offense changes so that they can ensure a touchdown. Okay? This is the red zone in football. We're talking about living life in the red zone in our life. Okay? That we want to live in that place. Now, obviously, we're not going to have you go move to the turf all right, and set up a tent in the 20-yard line. Okay? All right, so what are we talking about? We're talking simply about this, that God wants to position you in a place that every day you have the opportunity to succeed. Every day you have the opportunity to, uh, to, to make success happen in your life. This is what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 when he said this, every step I take has purpose. 
Okay? Everything I do. So every morning when I wake up, man, it's a fresh start. It's a new day that I would look at the day and I would say, okay, what I do today, man, has to be unto something. Are you with me? Okay? Living life in the red zone. Okay? This is an understanding that everything we do is determining where we're going, the choices we make, the interactions we have. Okay? Everything we do has purpose. Uh, living life in the red zone is where we begin to change our approach to the things of life to ensure our success. All right? This is living life in the red zone. It's kind of a change up of, of our mentality or of our thinking. It's, it's, and when we begin to change our thinking or our thought life, that then we begin to change the way we walk that, that out. Are you with me this morning? All right, fantastic. Just making sure you're awake. I'm sorry, we didn't have coffee this morning, all right? Living life in the red zone. Because, see, I, I've, I've come to understand this, that really it's just, it's just the, the little adjustments of a good thing that make it great, okay? That God isn't, isn't coming in and trying to say, hey, I want you to stop playing football and I want you to totally change sports and play basketball. Okay, although basketball is a way better sport, all right? Okay. <laughs> He's not doing it. He just wants you to make some adjustments in the race that you're in. Paul said it. Hey, look, we're all in a race, okay, 1 Corinthians 9. We're all in this race, so therefore, let's just make a minor adjustment, and rather than just kind of jogging nonchalantly in the race, let's run to win. Are you with me this morning? Okay. So it's just literally making a small adjustment. Okay, I'm in the race no matter what. What do I need to do? Well, I need to change my mentality, and I need to begin to run with purpose. I need to begin to run the, to, to finish, to cross that, that finish line, to run through that tape. Okay? What a great verse as you watch. You know, the, how many of you guys watching the Olympics? Okay? I know they're on at some ungodly hour from like midnight to 3. Thank God for DVR. All right? But you watch these people, and these people have been training not just for a year, not just for two years, not just for three years, but they've been training all their life <laughs> before they even had a choice, some of them. You know, you're four. This is what you're going to do. Okay, you know. They don't know. It's like, okay, Mom, okay, Dad, <laughs> you know. And they do it, you know. And they literally, they, they, I don't know if you guys saw the one they did where they showed how much money is spent just getting their kid to their first Olympics. Man, it's insane. It's a lot of money, Okay. But what is it, man? They're starting way out here. The Bible says this, train up a child in the way they should go so when they get older, they won't depart from it, okay? I used to be a youth pastor, okay? And I love that season, but thank God that season's over. <laughs> I still love young people, you know? And we're gonna have a youth ministry here, so if you feel called to youth ministry, just let me know. I'll try to talk you out of it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and I was in youth ministry for a long time, and I would have parents come to me and they would be like, man, I need help with my child. And I'd say, well, what's going on? And they would tell me what's going on. And really, the child isn't the one that needs the adjustment. <laughs> it's the parents that need the adjustment. Okay? Train up a child in the way they should go so when they get older, they won't depart from it. You, they're just walking in what you trained them in. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay? You know, it's kind of like, and I've never been a builder, but, uh, you know, if I was, I'd be Ben the Builder, not Bob the Builder. Okay? And, and uh, you know, if you're building something, you've got, to, you've got to level it and measure it and all this stuff. And why? And, and so you take measurements down here. But if it's off an inch down here, okay, by the time it gets up here, it's like a foot off. Okay? And so don't ever have me, you know, frame a house for you. It would be scary. But, okay, it's off. What is that? That's if I just made it a little adjustment down here, it's the fine adjustments of a good thing that will make it great. 
Okay? This is what God is trying to talk to us about that, hey, look, guys, you're in a race. Okay? First Corinthians, you're in a race. I mean, you might as well run with purpose. Okay? You might as well just make that little adjustment, start getting yourself in shape so that you can win. Okay? And we're relating this back to different areas of our, our life. And so we just need to make those, those little adjustments, those fine adjustments. So we talked about spirituality uh, last week, the week before we talked about, about relationships, and it wasn't until I was studying uh, this last week, um, start, uh, living life in the red zone financially, that all of a sudden God kind of connected it all for me. Because the main purpose of 1 Corinthians 9, first and foremost, is for us to get into a spiritual understanding. Yeah, there, there, there's athletes that do this, and they do it for a prize that's going to fade away, okay? But we do it for an eternal purpose and an eternal prize. All right, eternity with Jesus Christ, heading to heaven, all right? And so that's what that, that verse is talking about, but then he parallels that to natural examples that we can understand. Well, as you read the Bible, the two biggest examples Jesus uses in the New Testament to explain the kingdom of God and a relationship with him is, number one, a marriage, okay? He likens it unto an a, a, a intimate covenant relationship. Why? Because those are terms we can understand, and so we talked about relationships. The other thing that he uses is financial terms. And he talks to us financially. And he uses the parable of the, the talents. And this is like the kingdom of God. And so he uses those two examples. Why? Because those are examples you and I can readily and easily relate to. And so I don't think it's by accident that God had us talk about those through this series. Number one, to point to a spiritual emphasis. But number two, I think all of us want uh, that, that partner in life. The intimate covenant relationship. Not only that, I think all of us want money. Okay? Okay. And it's, it's, it's okay, you know, to, to, to need some money to, to do some things. All right? Matter of fact, the Bible, the Bible says this in Ecclesiastes 10, 19. That man, bread is, bread is good, you know? Wine is a little bit better. <laughs> anyway. Wine's a little bit better, okay? <laughs> okay? But money answers everything. Because let's just face it, without money, you ain't going to have bread, you know? And, and without money, you're not going to have one. Money answers, answers everything. So I want to talk to you this morning, uh, uh, living life in the red zone financially, just for the next, next few moments. I was having a conversation with God the other day, which is really a good thing to do, not just as a pastor, but as a Christian. Um, it's a good thing to have those conversations with God. And, and how many of you guys have ever thought about eternity before? Okay, maybe that's a little, yeah, please don't talk about that. I mean, how do you explain that? You know, it's impossible, okay? And so I just, I just said, forget eternity. I was talking with God. I said, God, what, what is a million years like to you? And he replies back to me. He said, it's, it's like a second. Wow. How does that work, you know? A million years is like a second. So I said, well, God, what, what's a million dollars like to you? Because we're talking about finance. And he said, it's like a penny. Being the bright kid I am, I said, God, can I have a penny? <laughs> God replied back and said, yeah, just give me a second. <laughs> just give me. Dang, that's a, that's a long time. How important is money? Money is extremely important that literally as you read the Bible, you see that, that the reference directly to money is made about 140 times in the Scriptures. Not only that, in the scriptures, gold is referenced over 400 times, silver over 300 times, and the list goes on and on and on and on, the things backing up the money. That literally when you read, um, when Jesus was, was talking to people, a large portion of what he talked 
about was finances. Yes, he related it to a spiritual principle, but he knew the importance of money to people. Okay? Now, money is a funny thing because in the Old Testament, uh, when you study out this principle of finances, that honestly finances marked the blessings of God. You look at Abraham. Abraham was so rich, and then the, the Bible says that God blessed him with many blessings and kept blessing him and all this stuff. And not only was he blessed, then his descendants were blessed. There was a lot of blessing going on, okay? But people noticed that, and their first response wasn't, wow, you're rich. Their first response was, wow, the favor of God is on you, okay? And so in the Old Testament, it marked the favor of God. As you study on into the New Testament, oftentimes we see finances or wealth being a bad thing. Okay? That Jesus would see someone wealthy and, 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 and he, would, he would say something to them or other people would notice their wealth and it wouldn't necessarily be a good thing. Okay? And so it's like, what, what's going on? Okay? The key to the whole thing is this. Okay? Is that people's hearts got corrupted. Okay? And as people's hearts got corrupted, because the Bible says this, every good and perfect gift comes from Him. Okay? It's from God. Okay? God wants us to be blessed. Okay? I didn't say God wants us to be wealthy and God wants us to be exceedingly rich. Although if that happens, praise Jesus. But that is not God's desire. God's desire is to prosper us. And there's a vast difference between prospering and being loaded. Okay? And what happened, though, was is people took this understanding of prosperity in the wrong direction. So that God always wanted us to be blessed. What is blessed? Blessed is having enough to meet my needs and some to give away. That's prosperity. But people then begin to, as life goes on, they begin to see the power behind riches, and they begin to accumulate more riches, and they begin to institute excessive interest on people's loans. Okay, And so now we get into the New Testament, and Jesus says this. Jesus said in uh, Mark 10, 23, it's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Okay, Why is that? Because if they truly get a biblical understanding of what it meant to be prosperous, they would realize that, man, rather than just having this in the bank and having 13 homes and 45, you know, Lamborghinis, <laughs> I should be taking this money, and I should be blessing those that are in need, okay? And so if you look at what Jesus does in the New Testament, he never knocks the finances. He comes after the heart of the people because it was their heart that was wrong that therefore corrupted their financial understanding, Okay, anytime Jesus comes after, it goes back to a moral issue. Man's heart is off. It's wrong. And therefore, the way the money is being used is, is wrong. God is so into this thing that in the Old Testament, when, they came, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, that he literally set up the first five books of the Bible, as you read through them, time and time again, there is warning against abusing finances. Why? Because when they were in Egypt, when they were under bondage, those people, the taskmasters, not only beat them to get the job done, but if they ever borrowed anything from, they put excessive taxes or interest on it to the point where they could never pay it back. So when they're coming out of Egypt, God wants to get that out of their heart, and he institutes so much in regards to finances, primarily to protect the poor. Okay? And, and he literally says this, you cannot tax or interest anybody that's within our nation. The only people that can have interest in taxes are when you loan to somebody outside of the nation. Which tells me this, if you take it to the New Testament, as a, a body of believers, man, we should be the most generous, giving people, and give it away, because if you do the transfer theology, children of Israel, nation, to us, people of God, 
Now, we should be the most generous people, giving it away, and never expect it to be paid back. Okay? That's prosperity. Okay? See, if you understand the Mosaic Covenant, you understand this, that there's no promise for riches, but there is a promise for having enough and enough to give away and making sure you take care of the people that are in need. Okay? Even today, in society, even within the church, this teaching has gone away from its original text. That now people, okay, uh, believers, leaders, pastors, whoever, can take this to an extreme, and prosperity is now not seen in the blessings of God, but prosperity is seen in, look at my home, look at this, look at that, look at, are you with me, okay? That was never God's intent. Man, it was, because the reality is, is I mean, I mean if, you know, if you're in a three-bedroom home and all you need is a three-bedroom home, the only reason you want to go buy another three-bedroom home is to have some more bling. Are you with me? Okay. And just, you know, paint the house if you get tired of it. You know what I'm saying? I'll go buy a new one. Okay. How important is finances? Where our economy's at today, our culture's at today, it comes back to finances. It comes back to people wanting more than they could ever afford. Really, you know what that gets back to? It gets back to the Ten Commandments. It gets back to coveting. I can't afford that. I want it. So I'm going to take out, you know, a mortgage on my house. That's 125, you know, percent of the value of my home. Oops. <laughs> Here's the thing with that. The thing, that, the thing that's weird about that is you, if you bought a $300,000 home, let's just say, okay, you're like, wow, where are you shopping? You can't find one of those in San Diego. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. If you buy a $300,000 home based on your budget, based on your fat, and that's what you can afford, awesome. And you live there, but then all of a sudden, you know, well, look, now my home's worth 500000 I'm going to take out a mortgage on it, and man, look, I got $200,000 just calling my name. <laughs> yeah, except for you can't afford $500,000 home. So you just, you just literally mortgage yourself out of your house. <laughs> now, it's different if you've been paying down the house, and now you only owe $150,000 on the house, and you need some money because you know you can afford a $300,000. Is that making sense? Okay. But what people did, man, is they got greedy, they started to covet, they wanted more, they got caught up in this thing, okay? And now maybe you're sitting here today and I'm talking to you. Look, we've all been there. We've all done it, okay? But we need to get back to a biblical understanding and perspective of, of finances, okay? Uh, we could go on and talk. The, the cool thing is, as you study the, the finances in the Bible, uh, there were two times when, uh, man, there was a lot of rejoicing. There was what's called the sabbatical year, which is at seven years, and at seven years, this primarily dealt with, um, because back in the day, and I don't know, maybe they can do it today still, but back in the day, if, if you needed, you know, I didn't have enough, you know, to put up for a loan, I could say, well, you can have my child. <laughs> I've thought about that a couple times when they're disobeying. But anyway, you can have my child as surety, and so the child would then go and work their field until I paid off the loan. Well, every seven years, though, when it came to family or slaves or things like that, it was called a sabbatical year, and then the person was given back to the family, okay? That's a pretty cool principle. I think we should instore that, like, you know, like, institute that, like, in home loans, things like that, okay? And then they had what was called, called the year, year of Jubilee, which is every 50 years, and every 50 years, all debt was erased, and you had a fresh chance to start over, okay? Now, obviously, that primarily speaks to God, and his grace through Jesus Christ, who wiped out all of our sins, okay? But this was a natural principle happening in, in the Bible. Let me give you three things real quick before we close this morning. So here we are, 
concluding living life in the red zone financially. How, how do I live life in the red zone financially if money really does answer everything, okay? And, and you know, uh, we all know that, I think, you know. I mean, when you found your first car, it's not like you marked, marched around it seven times, you know. Jesus, give me the car. Jesus, give me the car. Jesus. And all of a sudden, oh, hey, new car, right? We tried that with this school. <laughs> we, we, we saw the school and we thought, man, this would be a great place to meet. Unfortunately, they wanted money, okay, not just our, our great hearts, <laughs> you know, okay? You've you got to write a check for this thing every month, okay? We know that we need finances to, to progress in life, all right? And so we need to understand, understand living life in the red zone financially. Number one, how do I live life in the red zone financially? Number one, be faithful with what you have, okay? Be faithful with what you have, okay? Listen to me. You can lay around dreaming about the thousands or millions of dollars you want and taking that $1 and going down to the lotto station and buying yourself a lottery ticket, okay? And I'm just going to be completely honest with you. I bought a lottery ticket here and there, and there is nothing quite like the feeling of, let's say, the lottery is drawn on Tuesday, and you buy your lottery ticket on Saturday. You all know what I'm talking about, right? What am I going to do with that $147 million when I win it, you know? Come on, be honest, all right? We all sit there and we're like, man, how would I spend $147 million? Probably the same way you spend $147. Hmm. Because you have to be faithful with where you're at. See, too many of us, we don't live life in the red zone, okay? We're like the football team that's down by seven with 14 seconds to go, and we're all the way back here on the 15-yard line, and we got 85 yards to go to score. And we wake up every morning living life like that. 14 seconds, I'm down by seven. Hut, hut, hike. Go long! You know? And we're living off of a trick play or just the hopes that if I launch this thing up there, someone's going to catch it. Okay? That is not where God intends us to live financially. Okay? That is, that is not success. That is like living prayer dumb. <laughs> God wants us to get into the red zone where now we wake up and we're faithful with what we have. Faithful with where we're at. And I tell you the truth, if you can be faithful with where you're at, God will give you more. See, just laying around and asking God for the more is not going to give you the more. I really honestly believe that there is a financial breakthrough here for all of us this morning. But God is such a good God that he's not just going to give you a financial breakthrough so you can go below thousands of dollars rather than hundreds of dollars now. Amen, this is good, thank you. Glad you're taking notes. All right. You got to be faithful with where you're at. Matthew 25, 21. Okay, Matthew chapter 25, story of the talents. One was given so many, the other one so many, the last one won. Okay? And, and they were challenged to go and, and do something with it. Okay? The first two, they did something with it and they doubled the money. The last one, he was living life down by seven. <laughs> 14 seconds left. And what did he do? He took it and buried it. Okay? When the master returns, here you go. Okay. The other ones, though, they invested it, and they got good return. And what does it say? It says, wow, you have been faithful over a little. I'm going to give you a whole lot more now. Okay? So, so what are you talking about? I'm talking about this, that this applies to any season of life we're in. If you don't have a job right now, be faithful with what you do have. What are you doing when someone gives you $20? If, 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 if you're working a job, part-time job, and you want a full-time job, what are you doing? 
when the money comes in. Are, are you with me this morning? Okay? We've got to be faithful with where we're at. We're talking financially, although this principle works with everything in life. Okay? You've got to be faithful with where you're at. Make some fine adjustments. Okay? Number two, living life in the red zone financially. Number two, this one's real, real simple, but probably the hardest thing for us humans to do. Have a, bu- a, bu- have a budget. What is that? I got to own a rental car place? What's a bu- oh, I budget. Man, I, I go home and, man, I, I, I mark in the little registry in my checkbook what I spent today. <laughs> Even if I didn't have it, <laughs> you know. Okay. No, that, that's not a budget, okay? Have a budget, okay? Here's the thing. If you don't have a budget for your money, <laughs> the shoe store will have a budget for your money. The clothing store will have a budget for your money. <laughs> Are you with me? Have a budget. The Bible says this in Luke 14, 28, okay? And it's talking about a builder, okay? And it says, who amongst you that that desires to go build a building or a structure doesn't first count the cost or have a budget, okay? And you have that budget. Why do you have that? So, So you have that so you don't go and build the foundation and realize, oh, I ran out of money. And it goes on to say this, because you'll make a fool of yourself and people will mock you. We have got to have budgets. Listen to me. We've got to be good stewards of that which God has put into our hands. Being faithful with a little means I have a budget for a little. Okay? Because the reality is that some of you might have a dream that, yeah, one day, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make millions and, and whatever. You know, I'm gonna, that's awesome. How, how, are you, how are you budgeting the hundreds you have now? Well, I'm not because it's not that much. And, you know, I got my cell phone bill, and I got gas, and, you know, and then I got Starbucks, and McDonald's, and Burger King, and, and if you're saved, Chick-fil-A, praise Jesus, okay. Okay. Where, where, where are you spending your money now, okay? Now, think about it. Those people that we just watched the Olympics or even the Super Bowl a couple, couple weeks ago, okay, those people did not just, you know, one day, you know, I'm going to play in the Super Bowl, on one day, I'm going to be in the Olympics. I already talked about the Olympics. They start at a young age, okay? My daughter has a desire to be a ballerina right now, okay? And, and I, I, I'm all for it. When my daughter has a desire for something, I'm, I'm all for it, okay? But I don't know if any of you have checked in to see how much ballet classes are. <laughs> I'm like, can't you, like, do, like, fencing or something, you know? Because <laughs> then we could, you could protect us when we're walking down the street or something. But ballerina, I mean, it's expensive, and we looked at our budget, and we're like, we, we can't afford most of the classes around here. And so we started shopping around, and we actually found one that fit into our budget, and so that's what we're doing. Sure, okay, it's not, the, it's not the Lamborghini of ballet, all right? It's more like the Ford Taurus of ballet, no offense. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, hey, you know, we'll get in, learn some stuff, okay? Why do I do that? Because, number one, I know that maybe in five months she's not going to give a rip about ballet, and then all my thousands of dollars, I'm just kind of like, kid, go get a job and pay me back, <laughs> all right? Because at that point, I'm like, you will do ballet for the rest of your life, you know? Okay? People get serious, serious about it, you know? 
And these people, though, that, that are in the Olympics, man, they had to train. They had to discipline themselves. And they were in the Junior Olympics or whatever. And then they were here. And then they were here. Listen to me. What you are doing right now, you will do in the future. You will. Okay? So if you're not budgeting now at this level, you will not budget at this level. And God is so good and it cares so much about you, he is not going to give you more unless you learn to budget at this level, okay? We have, you know, here's the thing. Uh, uh, we've worked off a budget um, more, more intensely and more in depth for probably the last six years, okay? Um, but we've gotten strategic, man. What, what is a budget? A budget is not me just, you know, spending money on things I need. A budget is me knowing where every single dime is spent at the end of the month, okay? And I thank God for my wife because <laughs> she keeps me accountable, all right? And I, I probably need to do a better job. And she's probably, you know, buying shoes and I don't even know about it. But I was kidding. <laughs> she keeps me accountable. Like if I walk in, like, and she, hey, Ben, remember that $5 we took out the other day? Yeah, do you got receipts for that? Yeah, hold on a second. There you go. What's that? Well, they had the handwrite one. The, the receipt machine was broke, you know? <laughs> it's like, I'm making stuff up, man. She's militant about this thing. She's like, give me a receipt, you know? I lost one the other day. Thank God I found it. I was like, I was praying. Okay? She's militant about it. Man, she wants to know. And I, I'm, I'm thankful for that because I'm more of the faith guy, you know? Let's buy everybody Starbucks this morning. She's like, um, it's not in the budget. Oh, you know? All right? That's not a bad thing, you know? We've, we, we got a budget. And I'm telling you, man, a budget is at the end of the month. And here's the thing. I guarantee you. Okay, and, and we, we, we use this thing called Mint.com, and I think it's just a, a, a blessing from heaven, especially if you have the iPhone. It sends you little alerts and stuff, like if you're about ready to go over, hey, stop spending money in this category, you know? It literally gives you the dollar amount. You're about to go over. Hey, idiot, you just spent too much. You're like, you know? <laughs> Get mad at your phone, okay? Love it, okay? And we sit down, we strategically go through this thing. Here's the thing I've learned, okay? That if most of us, if I'm serious, 99% of us, okay, if we would actually go home and budget the, at the end of the month, we would have more money left over than we even thought was possible. Every time we stick to the budget, we get home, you know, the end of the month, we're like, oh, my gosh, look at all this money. Let's go buy Starbucks. No, I was kidding. You know, we're like, wow, you know. And you know what the first thing is we do, honestly? We, we take that extra money, okay, and we look, number one, to see what debt we can pay off. And then we look to see where we can invest. And then we look to see who we can bless. It's, a, it's amazing. Honestly, have a, if you don't know how to do a budget, come talk to us. We got people in here that love to do budgets, okay? And uh, you have to be honest, though, um, with where you're at. I mean, you can't live in fantasy budget. Well, I, I, I really wish I made 300000 a month, so here's my, you know, it's like, dude, get saved. Okay. Budget. Have a budget, honestly. Hardest part about having a budget is discipline. That's really the hardest thing in anything in life. Having a relationship with God, getting up, reading your Bible in the morning, discipline. <laughs> you know? Same with, same with your budget, man. You've got to work it. You've got to be disciplined, okay? But I'm telling you, man, you do it for three months, and you see all the extra money coming in, you're going to think that you're a baller. That's right. I don't even know what that is. Anyway, number three. <laughs> to live life in the red zone financially, number three, you've got to tithe. I knew he was going to throw that one in there somewhere. You've got to tithe. Well, you're at church. <laughs> it's in the Bible, okay? Be faithful with what, where you're at and what you have. Have a budget. Okay? We're talking about living life in the red zone. If you want to position yourself for success financially, okay? You know, there's nothing worse than your car breaks down and you're like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? 
You should position yourself in the red zone financially so if your car breaks down, you have money to fix it. Okay? You should position yourself financially in the red zone so, man, if you need a new car, you know it's time for a new car. I've been, are you with me? Okay? It shouldn't just be a surprise and just like, oh, no, hell Mary, you know? Okay? Number three, you've got to tithe. Malachi 3, 9, and 10, we've read this before. You say, well, that's in the Old Testament, and my argument back to you is always this. Well, then you must be a New Testament giver, which means you give everything. Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 5, they laid everything, actually 4, they laid everything at the feet of the apostles. They brought it to the church, deeds to their home, which right now I don't want, okay? But, you know, whatever it was, they laid it at the feet of the apostles. They gave everything. Hey, we just, we're, we're giving it, and obviously they weren't giving it to the people. They were giving it to God, Okay? You're like, no, I'm, I'm a tither. <laughs> Let's go back to Malachi, okay? You've got to be a tither. You've got to be a giver. If you're not a tither and a giver, okay, at least be faithful with where you're at, okay? If you don't believe in the tithing principle, okay, well, then whatever it is, at least give. Be faithful with where you're at. But very clearly throughout the Bible, there is this tithing principle, the first fruits, the first part, the first 10%. Now, where does that go? Now, here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. I know that some people are like, oh, I give 10%, but I, I give it here, and I give it there, and I give it over there. That is not a tithe. That is an offering. Because a tithe is simply this. Because if you do it that way, what you're saying is I have control over my finances. I have control over where this 10% goes, Okay. Okay, what they did is they brought it to the feet of the apostles. Okay, well, how do you give money to God? Okay, through the local church that you attend, that it's your home church. Okay, he said, well, I, I don't necessarily agree. I, I don't necessarily agree with the way they're spending their money. Okay, well, that, that, that's not your responsibility. God holds them accountable for that. Okay, God will judge them. You just got to be faithful with your part. 10%. There it is. Okay, and just, you know, I release it to God. Okay, the cool thing is all of it belongs to God anyway. Okay. He's just saying, hey, give me 10%. He lets you keep the 90, okay? That, that, that's, how that, that's how that principle works. Let, let me tell you something. You, can, you cannot outgive God. I'm telling you right now, I have, okay, we have not always lived by a budget all our life, but one thing we've done from day one of being married, and even before I was, but from day one of being married, okay, for the last 13 years, I, we have tithed. We have never missed a tithe. If we had, we go, literally, we're, we're, this, we're this militant about tithing. At the end of the year, We'll look and see what we made, and we'll look and see what we tithe. If it doesn't match up, we'll write a big check at the end of the year. Because that's how much we believe in this principle, okay? Say, wow, that's, that's, that's a little, no, 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 I'll tell you what, okay? Everything I have in life, okay, the place I live right now, the fact that God opened up this amazing location for us to have a church, the car I drive, the clothes I have, my beautiful family, the things we get to do in life, it's not because I'm so smart. It's not because I'm so strategic, although I'm learning to be better at that. It's because of the blessings of God. I believe it with all my heart. The Bible says in Malachi, test him. Bring the tithe into the house. See if I won't open up a window of heaven over your life and pour out such blessings that you will not even be able to contain it. Now, I, I, I can't, don't have time to share them all with you, but I have so many stories personally since we've been tithers. How God has miraculously opened up the windows of heaven over our life. I, I could tell you story after story. When we first moved to San Diego in 1999, God challenged us and said, I want you to give all your time to that church. We helped start a church in Rancho Bernardo in 1999. God said, I want you to give all your time to starting that church. And I said, okay. And I did it with my understanding. I went and looked for a job. 22 applications later, I had zero jobs. <laughs> it's a great feeling. 
And so I went back and said, God, I, I don't know what's going on. And God said, no, I want you to give all of your time to the church. He said, trust me, I'm going to provide for you. I said, okay, I don't know what that looks like. This is what he told me. He said, I want you to write letters. I want you to send them out. And I want you to raise support. I'm like, God, you know how expensive it is to live in San Diego. <laughs> That's a lot of support. You know? Crazy thing is, is one year prior to that, we were doing an internship. And in this internship, we were working part-time jobs, and we needed some extra money. And so what did we do? We sent out letters. Spent $33 on stamps, envelopes, and letters. Sent them out. Guess how much we got back? Goose egg. We lost money on that deal. <laughs> we lost $33. We're trying to raise money. We spent money. Got nothing in return. One year later, God says, I want you to send out letters. In my mind, are you with me? God, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I just spent $33 a year ago. Got nothing. You want me to send out letters? Said, Ben, trust me. So we did it. We sent out about 100 letters. And some people met with us and said, man, we want to we we provide for you guys. You go and help start that church. Okay? Now listen to me. I'm not giving you like this, this magic potion, all right? I'm just telling you my story. Okay? Because we were tithers. Because we put God first. Literally $3,000 a month for the first year came in so that we could give ourselves full time to the church. True story. Okay? Year one ends. Church still can't hire us yet. God says, I want you to give yourself full time to the church. Okay? I went back to these people, said, would you do it again? Year two, $3,000 every month, like clockwork, came in, okay? So we could give ourselves full time. Two years later, get hired on staff. Blessings of God. God supernaturally provided. That, that's why I believe so much in this. As a church, we believe in this principle. As a church, we give 10%, actually we give more like 20% away every single month. 10% specifically goes to help plant churches around the world. We're partnered with ARC, Association of Related Churches. 10% goes strategically. Boom, 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 plant churches. Okay? This year, last year we planned to help plant 55 churches. This year our goal is 100 churches. Go on the ARC website. You'll see all the churches that are being planted around the world. 10% every month. Let's help plant churches. Above and beyond that, at least 10% goes back into all of our ministries here at the church to help bless people. Say, so why do we do that? Because we believe in the tithing principle. Last week, standing at the door handing out programs, those little cool things that you got when you walked in that you're going to fill out and drop on over there and get a free gift. Filling out, uh, handing out programs. Guy walks in, I hand him a program, and he says, um, Urban Church. I said, yeah. He goes, I'm actually looking for the Presbyterian Church. Uh, I wanted to say, well, we're Presbyterian. Come on in, you know. <laughs> build this church one way to Well, Baptist? Yes, absolutely. We're Baptist. Come on in, you know. What do you need today? We are it, you know, okay. So I'm looking for the Presbyterian church, so I quickly told them where the other two Presbyterian churches were, one across the street, one downtown over here. Um, I can tell you how to get there if you want. And he just looks at me and goes, what time does your service start? I said, 10.30. He looks at his watch. He goes, looks like I'm going to Urban Church. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I was excited, but at the same time, I'm thinking once worship starts, if he's, if he's a Presbyterian guy, it might, you know, it might be like, well, you know, okay. So during worship, I'm kind of doing one of these. No? And he's back there, and he's worshiping. I'm like, okay, I can, I can relax, you know. I get up, and I, I preach the message, and man, he's taking notes like crazy. He's just like writing stuff, you know, and I'm thinking he's Presbyterian. He's probably, you know, oh, that's wrong, that's wrong, you know. <laughs> he's off on that point, the Bible, you know, whatever, you know. Just, I'm just tell, being honest with you, you know, taking notes. Afterwards, he waits to, for people to clear out, and he comes over to me. He's like, wow. He was like, that message so encouraged me. Would you pray for me? Sure. Because you just never know who's going to walk through your doors. And I'm, I'm from St. Louis. I'm only here for the weekend. And I, I just ended up at your church. This message was for me. I'm like, awesome. Praise Jesus. I was like, let's pray. What are we praying for? Well, I'm going to go speak to some businessmen tomorrow. And I really feel like I need to tell them where my true success comes from. Speaking to 1,200 businessmen. 
And I was like, well, where is that true success come from? <laughs> and he goes, Jesus Christ. And I was like, I was like wow. And he's like, I'm going to go tell him. Okay? Will you pray for me? I have the boldness and, and to do that. I said, absolutely. So I'll pray for him. He says, hey, make sure you email me. I'd love to stay connected. Let me know what's going on with your church and all that stuff. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. You know, nice to meet you. You know, whatever. Later on that week, you know, uh, my wife right now is the, is the CPA um, of our church, even though she's not a real CPA, but you got to go with what you got. Be faithful with where you're at. <laughs> number one, okay? She's doing a phenomenal job. And so she's doing, she's, she's implementing all this stuff, and all of a sudden she looks, and, and there is a $4,000 check from this guy who was looking for a Presbyterian church who saw our signs, ended up in our church, is only in town for four days. Ask me again why we tithe. (laughs) You've got to be faithful where you're at. You have to. Have a budget. Know where your money's being spent. And I'm telling you, once you write down a budget, it's probably going to freak you out the first time. Good Lord, I spent $375 on coffee? (laughs) Yes, you really are. If you budget it out, you'll see. (laughs) Okay? Think about that. There's your new car, you know? (laughs) Fortunately, your car doesn't run off coffee, you know? Okay, so it's, not, it's not working. I don't know what's wrong. Okay? Have a budget. And number three, you've got to tithe. Lord, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. God, it's so relevant. God, it's so amazing. Lord, I pray right now in the next few moments that, God, you would just take this message, God, and make it relevant to where we're at. God, whether we're struggling financially God, we have those that are, 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 are still homeless that come into our church, and God, they're looking for a way out of that. There's others, Lord God, that, that are on the verge of losing their home. There's others, God, that have started businesses, and they need their business to take off and increase. And God, there's so many people here from vast different walks of life, but really the principle is the same no matter where we're at. Be faithful with what we have. Have a budget with, for what we have. And God, put you first with tithes.